Welcome to Outreach Church. Thanks for checking out this week's message. To hear more, subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or visit outreachchurch.net for downloads and service information. What's going on, guys? How you guys doing? All righty. Well, so a couple weeks ago, I uh, texted Roy, and I was like, dude, I got something in my heart. I don't know what it is, but I got something going. So when you're ready to take a week off, let me know. And he came back to me about a week later, and he's like, hey, you're up next week. And I was like, oh, my goodness. <laughs> and so I've been seeking the Lord this week, like, how do I get what's in my heart, what's in my, just my belly, on some notes, and in my mouth to get to you guys this morning. And uh, I thought I'd sit before the Lord, I'd pray, I'd be like, God, what do you want me to say? And his answer was to me, you got it. I got what? You got it. I'm like, God, all right, maybe tomorrow you'll tell me. So I'll wait till the next day and be like, all right, you know, I, I trust you. You always come through. You always have. So I just trust you. So Thursday's here. I'm like, God, I'm like three days away. Wait till Saturday. You'll get it. So Saturday comes, I had the day off, you know, I wasn't working. I said, like, man, I'm going to be able to set some time aside, lock myself in my office, let the, let the Lord just do his thing with me. <laughs> you got it. So I wrote down a bunch of notes, I just, none of that made sense, none of that flowed together, just a bunch of verses that I really like, and I was like, God... <laughs> What are you doing? And the one thing I found in this process that he just said to me, he's like, Zach, your life message is Romans 8.14. Romans 8.14 is, for we know who the sons of God are. They are the ones who follow the Spirit of God. I remember when me and Madison got together early on, I had to look at her and I said, babe, I just need to say I'm sorry because I don't have a plan other than to follow the Lord. And you are going to see me mess up more than any other person in the whole world. But I want you to know I love you. And as I go and I seek the Lord, I'm seeking him with you in mind too. So today, all I have to give you right now is just my story. I have a story because every single person in here is a dream of God. Every single person in here was a thought that he had before the foundation of time that inspired him to speak the words, let there be light. You inspired him to create the canvas of this universe for you to sit on, for you to rest on, for you to live. My dad used to tell me growing up, said, Zach, find the need in the world and fill it. Find the need in the world and fill it. And that's what God did with you. He looked at you and he said, Nick, the world needs you. And I'm going to put you in this universe in 2001. I'm going to have you be born from your parents. I'm going to have you with the hair color that you have, the skin color that you have, the eye color, the way that you think, the way that you dream, the way that you just like to go about life with a fishing rod in your hand. I love that. I love to sit with you while you fish. I love that. I 
found with the youth? That God likes to sit with a lot of the kids and youth while they play Fortnite. <laughs> Evidently, that's the thing. I'm like, what's this? You're the dream of his heart. You are the dream of his heart. So God asks you to do one thing. Two things. He asks you to believe in him and who he says he is. And also to believe in him and who he says you are. And so much of the church can grasp the first one so easily. But struggle with the second so much. You know, God says, like, you once were alienated in mind, performing even deeds, evil deeds. But now, through the blood of Jesus Christ, you are clean and you are blameless and you are above reproach. But I want to say something more. There is more to that. There is more to the Christian life than just combating the works of the devil. It's figuring out who you are. Because you have been uniquely, fearfully, and wonderfully crafted to accomplish a, pers- a purpose on the earth. And that's your conversation with the Lord. Who am I? Why do I see the world the way I see it? Why do I enjoy the things I do? If you have this feeling that you're different, that is a perfect way to start it. Why am I this way? Because I made you that way. Well, show me what your purpose is in that. You've got to keep the conversation alive. You've got to keep the conversation alive. So today, I just, I just want to tell you a little bit of what my story is. I grew up Presbyterian, incredible parents, incredible family. But in the middle of my life, um, about my mid-20s, early 20s, mid-20s, I started just seeking out the Lord. like, Lord, I, I, there has to be more. There has to be more. And in the doing so, um, you know, I started doing some things for myself. You know, it was the first time, you know, when you get outside of your parents' home, it's just, it's your way. And I started to find out that my way was pretty poor. <laughs> uh, spiritually, emotionally, and financially. <laughs> <laughs> and um, so, you know, I remember at one point, this was the end of, uh, I was 25, and I had a great job, and I had a girlfriend, and I thought my life was going in a great direction, but then it all started to fall apart. And I started to say, God, I know I haven't sought you the way I should. And I don't even know what that looks like, to be honest with you. But fast forward my life to the place that it would be if I never, ever stopped seeking you. That was my prayer. That was the only prayer I knew to pray. I didn't really know much. And then one day I'm at church, it's January 1st, 2011, and just the worship and the service, kind of like what just happened just now, I got wrecked at the front of the church. I respond to an altar call, and I was like, just, just for 2011, there'll be a better year. <laughs> it didn't even have to be the most elegant, well-worded altar call. It was just the one I responded to. And I had like snot coming out of my nose like I never knew was possible. I was just, just drenched in tears. 
But I remember when I left church that day, I walked outside, and I'm walking through the parking lot, and I go into a vision. Now, I had no idea what a vision is. I was Presbyterian. <laughs> but something was happening. And then this, I see all the problems in my life spread out before me in an uncontrollable manner. And I start feeling this weight come back on me. When I saw two hands come together and put them all in a single file line. I stood back and I saw this fast forward button appear like on a VCR. It's like, that's what I prayed for. And I remember I just interacted with it and I clicked it. And as soon as I did, I felt like a pulse go throughout my body, like I was just thrown into the future. I almost like felt like I was in Star Trek or something. It's just weird. And then I felt the pulse come back through me as I stopped. And I caught my balance. And all I knew was in that moment, I was standing face to face with the Lord. His eyes were in my eyes. And then I was out of it. I looked around the parking lot. I said, did everybody just see what I just saw? see this guy over here, he's screaming at his kids to get in the minivan. I'm like, nope, that guy didn't see it. (laughs) And I'll never, ever, ever, ever forget for one moment in my life, as I walked to my car, I was just completely mentally clueless of what just happened. But I remember going to my car, grabbing the handle to the driver's side door. I remember there was a drainage ditch right there. And I heard a still small voice come up from inside of me say, everything is going to be okay. In that moment, I had this energy and excitement and joy for life come over me that I couldn't contain. I was like, oh my gosh, (laughs) this is it. This is, I don't even know what this is, but this is it. I go home, I'm bouncing around the walls. I'm just like, Jesus is awesome. (laughs) Amen. I I think uh, in this time in our church, we're in... Well, let me put it this way. I find that there's two seasons that the Lord typically leads us in and out of all the time. And there's times where God is speaking to us. And he's moving upon our intellect. He's moving upon our mind. Where we read the word and things make sense. It's like these eureka moments that we constantly living in. of Like just revelation that we can put to a word. And those are amazing, amazing times. But then there are times where God speaks to our heart. And to try to put a word to it would do it a disservice. Because it's beyond what we can know. I love the passage. It's Ephesians 3, where it says that you, or Paul writes, I pray that you would know the love of God that surpasses knowledge, so that you may be filled with the fullness of who he is. He goes on to say, and that my God can do abundantly more than you could ever ask or imagine according to the power at work within you. One of the things that we've been talking a lot about this year is pursuing the impossible. 
pursuing the impossible. That is the place where the impossible happens. It's in the fullness of Christ where you are masked, you find yourself in a place that you have no words to express, where you can't ask a request big enough. You can't form a dream of your mind big enough. You can't stretch the imagination of man to the level of where he is. I remember as a kid, growing up in a Presbyterian church, at some point you find yourself in the debate of predestination. (laughs) It's the hot topic. And I remember everyone debating on it, and I'm sitting here thinking about Superman and Saturday morning cartoons. And I thought, wait a second, you're saying God has like a, there's like a limit in some way? I, I don't get, I, I didn't get what they were talking about, but I just remember thinking, you're telling me there is a man who dreamed up the idea of Superman, who shoots laser beams out of his eyes, blows cold air, flies, can run faster than a train, and deflect bullets, and that was created in a man's mind, and God made that mind? This guy can do anything. God can do anything. And that's why he says, trust him. Because he can do anything with you. He can do absolutely anything with you. When that moment happened with me and the Lord, soon after that, I got a word. And I believe this is the greatest word that God has ever given me in my entire life. He said, this is the year you're going to find your wife. I had no idea who she was, though I thought I did. I had no idea how it was going to happen, but I thought I did. And now I wake up to the dream of the word fulfilled next to me every single day. And it reminds me every single day of his goodness. Because I have dreams in my heart, dreams that I can't even give you right now because I don't have the words for them. And I want a dream because I love the place where I find God in my dreaming. I love the place because in it, he, he loves just the childlike atmosphere of my mind and my heart and how I just want to talk to him about the most random things. And sometimes he talks to me about things I don't want to hear. And I'm like, God, let's talk about something different. He's like, no. <laughs> I remember one time, I was like, God, I haven't heard your voice in a while. He didn't say anything. The next morning, I woke up. And he speaks to me as soon as I wake up. And you know what he says to me? The cat's pooping in the room downstairs. <laughs> I see. I haven't hurt you in over a week. And that's how you're going to start out the conversation again? I go downstairs. I was like, there's no way. I see, and that cat is just like. (laughs) I caught him red-handed, if you could say it, red-pawed. And he just looks at me, and I'm like, no! And he goes running out of the room. I'm like, God. He's like, I wanted you to know so you could clean it up before your wife woke up. I said, well, that's good, I guess. <laughs> he, he's the most fun-loving guy in the universe. 
<laughs> you know, the kingdom isn't about eating and drinking, but it's about righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. And he has a lot of fun, and he wants to have fun with you. He actually created you to have fun with you because there's a component of who you are that goes along with even his sense of humor. I was in Mozambique years ago, and I was in Heidi Baker School of Ministry. It was an unbelievably incredible time, and the Lord did so much in me. And I remember as he's working in my heart, like he is, oh, man, he was just figuring everything out. He, was in, he, was, he got the toothbrush and was cleaning out the areas of my heart while he was in there. Like he was just working deep in me. And I said, God, I said, God, I want to know your sense of humor. I know you have a great sense of humor, but I want to know what it is. After a couple weeks of praying that prayer, I go to bed one night and have a dream. And he comes to me as Steve Carell. I'm dead serious. He comes to me as Steve Carell dressed as an 80s rock star. Listen, you can't find these things in your thesaurus. You can't find these things in the back of your Bible. You know, there's, we live in an information age right now. We live in an information age where we want to learn and know everything. And honestly, with the amount of books, podcasts, YouTube videos, you can find an answer about just about anything. But I find that there's two levels of knowledge in the world right now. There's knowledge that puffs up, that leads to pride and causes men to fall. And there's another level of knowledge that the word says you die without. Hosea 4, 6 says my people die for lack of knowledge. That knowledge is intimacy. It's relationship. It's knowing who he is and who you are to him. And you can't find that in a book. You can't find that in the podcast. You can only find it by stepping outside of your comfort zone and following after him in the spirit. And he's leading you to places beyond what the mind can perceive, beyond what your mind can know. He's leading you with your heart. Seek me and you'll find me and you search me with all of your heart. The only way you find him is with this. It's just with that. It's the only, only way. He comes to me as Steve Carell. This, this is the beauty of Jesus. Listen, I, what I love about him is he's so creative. He is, the, I mean, he thought of you. That is quite a creative expression. He thought of you. So I see Steve Carell in my dream. This is my dream. I'm going to tell you my dream. This is one of my favorite dreams I've ever had. I go to him. I'm in the outside sales job, and I find out I'm only making like a quarter of the check that I should be making. So I'm upset in the dream. So I go to my boss. The boss turns around his chair. It's Steve Carell with a dog collar necklace on, dressed as an 80s rock star. He's like leather everything. And I say, hey, I'm not making as much money as I'm supposed to. And he was so kind to me. So kind. He says, let's check. So he brings in his lawyer, and they go over the paperwork. He says, look, it actually says that you're only giving the minimal amount. And if you were to put more in, you would be making more. You only gave the minimal percentage back to the company, and because of that, you're only getting a lesser percentage back to your bank account. So I'm like, oh, so it's my fault? 
der giver. So America walking down the hall. And I see his wife. She's also dressed like an 80s rock star. And she starts handing me all this fresh food, fresh fruit. And I walk out, and I'm like, I've got to find Steve and tell him I'm sorry. And this is actually really crazy. When it happened, I'm staying next to my friend Seth in the dream. And Seth goes, okay. So I go running around. I see 100 Steve Carells. They're everywhere, but it wasn't the one. And I go outside, and it's raining outside, and I see Steve Carell. He's dressed differently. He has hair all the way down to his legs. And I run up behind him, and I grab him, and I say, I'm so sorry. I have a reason why. It's because of this. It's because of this in my life. It's because of this in my life. It's because of this in my life. And he grabs me by the shoulders, and he looks at me and goes, no, that's not why. And then he begins to speak, and the audio goes out. I don't know if you've ever had a dream where you're in the middle of it, but the audio goes out in the middle of the dream. Oftentimes, what that means is that there is something so stored up in your heart or in your mind that you don't want to hear it, and you literally block out the voice of the Lord. See, opinions is the enemy of the voice. When you put your opinion over his, he'll actually respect it until you make yourself willing and obedient to his will, and then you will have ears to hear it again. So that moment happens, and then the next day, I'm telling the dream to my friend Seth. And he goes, bro, you know what he said to you? I said, what? He said, I was standing next to you. He said to you that you didn't believe you were a son. It's so interesting how the Lord put him in my dream that day, that he heard it to deliver it back to me. And to me, I just said how faithful the Lord is. As the dream goes on, I get back in a car with him, and he gives me a new piece of paper that says, sign it. And he says, I want you to know something. Provision is in the fine print of every word I ever give you. And you'll never have to worry. And you'll never have to wait. That's what he said, you'll never have to wait. There will never be a line for you. There is not a line for you to get to the Lord. There's not a line for you. He's always there. Just seek him with your heart, and he's there. Seek him, and you'll find him. I have learned that you don't need to be smart to prophesy. You don't need to be smart to hear his voice. You just need to have a willing and open heart. You don't need to have to be a theologian. So many people, they miss it. Because they seek for him in words. They seek for him in studies, but they don't seek for him with their heart. You've got to look for him with your heart. Because that's what he cares about. That's the one thing he cares about. He's ne- you, when you go before the Lord at the end of your days, he is not going to give you a great recommendation because of your theology. There's this prophet named Bob Jones. He passed away a couple years ago, but he died and and he came back to life. And while he was dead, he saw the Lord. And the conversation that he had with every person that was going into heaven was, did you learn to love? Did you learn to love? I have a coffee mug at my house with that written on it, and I drink from it every morning. Did you learn to love? That's the one thing that he cares about. It's the one thing. 
He can do anything with your life if you're willing. If you'll give him your yes. When I was in Mozambique, I had this um, I had this word echoing in my heart. It was, my, your gift will make room for you. And you see a man skilled in his trade, he'll perform it in front of kings. Your gift will make room for you. And if you see a man skilled in his trade, he'll perform it in front of kings. I said, God, how are you going to get me in front of kings? He never answered me. I don't understand why, where my faith was at and why I had to question it. I was praying for blind eyes. I was praying for deaf ears every single day while I was down there. But for some reason, that one thing bothered me. It, I couldn't make sense of it. And then on my birthday, the last week of school, I'm there. I had some friends. They, they threw me a birthday party, and I found some, an AC room, a room with AC. That was the greatest gift they could ever give me. That place was 175 billion degrees every day. And this guy tells me a story. And from this story, it changed my life. He said, hey, have you heard of a man named Paul Kane?" I said, no, I've never heard of him. He said, Paul Kane was in the ministry in the 80s. He was known as one of the Kansas City prophets. And he left the ministry for a little while. And one day he woke up and the Lord spoke to him and said, Paul, I want you to call Bill Clinton. That's when Bill Clinton was the president. And gives him his phone number. That is crazy. He said, call Bill Clinton. Here's his number. Tell him to turn the F-16s around. True story. So he calls Bill Clinton. It's his personal cell phone number. He says, hey, Bill. My name is Paul. I'm a prophet of the Lord. And the Lord says to turn the F-16s around. He said, what? I obviously don't know exactly how the conversation went down, but I can only imagine. <laughs> he says, turn the F-16s around. Bill hangs up. No, there's nothing like, in the news about this. Six months later, God speaks to Paul. He said, Paul, call Bill again. Here's his new number. <laughs> and give him this message. So he calls Bill. After this, he's like, I got to get you in the White House. So he invites him to the White House, ends up serving in the White House as a prophet to the White House. They start sending him on international trips. He's actually, if you look him up on Wikipedia uh, or in some other information, he's actually an advisor for the paranormal division of the FBI. I didn't even know there was such a thing. But what did that told you know what that told me? If God wants to get you in front of a king, he can get you in front of a king. If God wants to do something with your life, he can get you there. If Bill Clinton's phone number, Donald Trump's phone number, it's super easy. It's just not 10 digits. Listen, if you could talk to God, about Cheerios, if you can talk to God about fescue grass, if you can talk to God about anything that seems insignificant to you, you can talk to God about anything, and he can talk to you about anything. And if you can commune with him, then he can do anything with you. The biggest thing that you need to learn how to do is keep the conversation alive. It's keep the conversation alive. I was 
It was two years ago. I was, um, I was in my car, and I'm worshiping the Lord. And I was like, God, you're so amazing. Just, I'm going after it, man. I was screaming. And I hear this voice speak to me. I ignore it. I'm like, God, you're so amazing. And he's, I hear this voice telling me, hey, uh, don't, go do, go, excuse me, don't go do that thing you're wanting to do this weekend. I'm like, wait a second, are you talking to me? Are you talking to me? There's nothing wrong with it. I'm, I'm going to go hang, have fun, hang out with some friends. I, I don't want you to go. Why? I just don't want you to. And then he didn't talk to me anymore. I literally was like depressed for two days. I said, I have, what is up with this? What is up with this? I remember the next day was Wednesday. We had our worship service, and I was standing right here. And I'm still bummed. I'm like, what are you doing? I've given you everything. I've, I feel like I've died to myself. Like, I'm not in any sin. Like, I, I, am, I am living a, the life you want me to live. And he says something to me that I'll never forget. He said, Zach, I'm killing the man to make room for the dream. I'm killing the man to make room for the dream. I said, whoa. Joseph had a dream. He had a dream, but he didn't know how to steward it. And so much of life is learning how to steward the dream of God over your life. See, the gift on your life, the purpose and the dream on your life is meant and will come into fulfillment in a certain time and place. In a certain time and place. Joseph had the dream 13 years before he stood before Pharaoh, but he needed those 13 years to be refined. That dream came to him to refine him, to make him ready for the calling of God and the destiny of God that was on his life. But his problem wasn't with sin. And so many times we see our problems with our relationship with the Lord as a result of sin. It wasn't with that. It was with himself. Because he saw his significance in the word of God on his life. And he had to see the Lord's significance in that word that he had dreamed of, that he had placed on him. Listen, the greatest thing that you can do with a word is come back at the end of your life and give it back to Jesus and say, God, this is your dream, and here's your reward. I lived the life you called me to live, and I did everything you called me to do. I didn't care if I looked foolish, but I did it for you, so here it is, Jesus. That is taking the full advantage of what he suffered for on the cross. And if you can't come back to him with that, you are robbing the cross of the fullness of its potential in your life. That is the fullness of the redemptive nature of the Lord. You being able to give him back the dream that it's you. So time went on, and I felt like the Lord found my no-list. And you know what my no-list is? It's that secret thing in your heart that you don't even pay attention to that you said no to the Lord about. He's going down the list. I'm like, man. I didn't know I had so many things in my heart that I'd said no to you about. At one point, he tells me, go back to school. I say, oh, man, God, I don't want to. He didn't say anything else. So I call up school. I'm like, I need my transcripts. They're like, you have $48 in parking tickets. <laughs> I'm like, it's been 11 years. 
Don't those things expire? Like, no. But if you want your transcripts, you need to pay them. I paid off my parking tickets. I got my transcripts. And God said, you're good. <laughs> I was like, man. And some of the things he's telling me to do, and some of them he's saying, I just want to see if you do it. And while this is going on, I've seen this number 717 everywhere. 717. I'm like, God, what does this mean? He doesn't say anything. Finally, one day he says something, like after three months. And he screams back at me. Like I scream at the Lord, what does this mean? He goes, it's John 7, 17. So I look it up. And this is what it says. If anyone's will to do God's will, he will know whether the teaching is from God or whether I am speaking on my own authority. You know what that said to me? If I was willing to be obedient to the Lord, then I would have the discernment to discern the voice. And if it was me or if it was him, I promise you, like, you have to be able to discern between the two. It's not so much of trouble discerning between what's the devil and what's the Lord. It's discerning between what's you and what's him. And that's the path that's going to lead you into the fullness of everything he's called you to. That's the path that's going to lead you to the feast and the goodness of the land that he's prepared before you. But then he goes on and he says this. The one who seeks his own authority seeks his own glory. But the one who seeks the glory of him who sent him is true. And in him there is no falsehood. I'm going to read that in a different translation just to make better sense of it here. But he who seeks the glory and the honor of the one who sent him, he is true. Hold on. He who speaks on his own accord seeks his own glory and honor for himself. But he who seeks the glory and the honor of the one who sent him, he is true. And there is no unrighteousness or deception in him. This is the thing that I found that has become the biggest struggle in people who understand and know the calling of God on their lives is they take it and they make it about themselves. They start drawing people to look at me, look at my destiny, look at my gifting, look at my calling, look at everything God has done with me rather than pointing it to him. And the biggest thing that I saw in the life of Joseph and so many other people that God had to rob them from, that God had to, uh, to remove from them, was that self-centered nature. Joseph has the dream, and he says to his brothers, look at me. It infuriated them. He listen, he's speaking the true word of the Lord, but he did it in such a way that it didn't magnify the glory of God. It was magnifying his own. And his brothers got so tired of it, they threw him in a pit. But the beautiful thing in that, even though he couldn't steward it, it always said throughout the story, God was with him. God was with him. And so he takes him to the point where he stands before Pharaoh and when there was a coat that was on his back that his father gave him that put pride within him, when Pharaoh, the king, most powerful man of all the world, gave him a coat, it didn't do the same. Because he had learned the humble nature of seeing the Lord and learning how to stand before him, and it didn't make a difference if he stood before man, kings, or no one. The prophetic isn't about staying for men and speaking. It's about staying for the Lord. You see this in the life of Elijah. 
You don't know anything about his training or his upbringing, but all you need to know is found in 1 Kings chapter 17. He stands before Ahab, the most powerful and dangerous man in the land, and he says, by the Lord, the God of Israel, before whom I stand. That's all you need to know. He developed the lifestyle standing before him. I promise you, you may feel like you are a thousand miles away from your dream, a thousand miles away from your destiny. You may seem like it's impossible to fulfill. You know what? Because it is. Because the only way you can get there is through him, God. But the only way you're going to get there is by developing a lifestyle of standing before him. And if you can find that place, then conversations with the Lord about your cat pooping on the carpet will be just as easy when you're having conversations with kings or the big dreams of your life that actually make a major difference in the world. Because God's using the little things to make the major difference of you. So I'm following the 717. I'm trying to figure out, God, what does this mean? And I'm giving him my yeses, and I am in this place where I am just, I am whew, feeling beat up inside. Me and Madison had just experienced a miscarriage. We just had a car totaled, and I had just uh, gone to a school to train me for medical device sales that they told me had a 97% job placement rating, and I find myself in the 3%. And I have no idea what's going on in my life. And God is spending his time asking me to do all the things that I said I never wanted to do. And one morning, I remember I wake up and I'm in the shower. And he says to me, he doesn't say anything. It was like a dream came up inside of me. It was like a dream came up inside of me. And I start thinking, what would it be like to lead the youth at Outreach Church? And I'm like, that's on my no list. (laughs) I said, God, don't you be playing on me. I said, what? I'm like, I'm like, God, I don't, I am at the end of me. And that's where he's trying to get you. The end of you, so you can explore him. I said, all right, God, you know you have my yes, but I'm making you a deal. I'm not doing one thing to make this happen. It's all you. He's like, done. That's the agreement he wants. Just trust in me. So I only tell Madison. And then a couple months go by. We kind of forget about it. One day Madison comes home. She says, hey, Zach, I actually had a conversation with Patty today. I was like, yeah? And she started talking about the youth. I'm like, oh, they want to meet. Would you want to meet? I said, okay. So Patty and Madison were texting. They found a day. So we're meeting Monday. I'm like, great. I'm like, what's the date? The 17th? I said, the 17th. Of July? I said, yeah. 717? <laughs> oh, this is getting weird. So the day comes, we both get off work real late. We're running home, we get in an argument. None of y'all have never experienced that before, right? We make up. We're like, all right, let's keep going. We're running late. We're like messaging Roy Patty. I'm sorry, sorry, we're late. We get to the door. And I look at my phone, I'm like, how late are we? 
717. Roy opens the door. I'm like, oh my gosh. We go in, we talk, and they look at us and say, hey, we want you to talk to the kids. Okay, about sex. Madison's jumping up on this on, in a chair, all excited. I am staring a laser beam into the carpet. I'm like, God, that wasn't on my no list, but that was a major no. That was in my dream no list. So I go home, and Madison's just like all excited. She's trying to talk to me. I'm like, hey, babe, I, I can't even put words to this. Roy goes on, and they order the books. We did the moral evolution curriculum through Bethel. And it was on back order. I remember him saying it was on back order. So we get the books in like three weeks later. And I'm just flipping through it. I'm like, how am I going to talk to a kid about this? <laughs> like, oh, my gosh. <sighs> or that. Babe, you were handling this one. <laughs> and I'm flipping through, and I get to the back of the page the back of the book, and in the book it's printed, this book was printed on 7-17-2017. I'm like, babe, I think we're going to be okay. And she's like, I know. I've just been waiting for you to figure it out. <laughs> Listen, this is just... When you follow the Lord, when you follow His Spirit, I'm just going to end with this here. It makes no sense, and it's not supposed to because it's about trust. There is no 2020 vision in the Spirit because if there was, it would remove your need to trust Him. You can't please God except unless you're walking with faith. You need faith, and faith works by love, and He's wanting to woo you. He is a lover looking for lovers and saying, will you love me as radically as I've loved you? Will you love me as radically as I've loved you? Come and know me. Know the side of me that surpasses knowledge and experience the fullness of everything I have to offer. Know me. There is no other way to live. I have come to the Greek. I, I, I find that when you're seeking after him in your infancy, you have nothing but his love. You might not know the word. You might not have everything mentally figured out. But as you do, he grows you. He grooms you. And he shifts you in and out of those seasons where he's pursuing your heart and he's pursuing your mind. Because love will take you to places that your mind never could go. And love will knock down walls that your mind could never knock down. But as it does, it allows your mind to come in and fill those places where you are able to gain understanding. Because he wants to grow you. It's in your understanding that you're able to really release who he is to other people. But it's in your love for him that you're able to be out of your mind. Crazy love. Just, I'll trust you. I'll trust you. And the thing when you're seeking him that you have to realize as you go through the lives, the, the, the lifespan and cycles of how these things work, of the different seasons and the ebbs and flows of the Lord, you have to make sure you always take care of that one thing. 
that love of him that surpasses knowledge, that love of him that goes beyond anything that we could ever perceive or cerebrally grasp. God's not going to reward you for your theology. He's not going to reward you for your revelation. He's going to reward you for your obedience. And I think, I just want to speak something over this house. There is a great, great, great calling on this house in the cerebral areas of understanding truth and who the Lord is. But I believe the Lord wants to grasp your heart and take you to a deeper place that words can't follow. To take you to a deeper place. And I feel like the hand of the Lord is on the mothers of this house. That there is a global calling of intercession upon these people. And the Lord wants to put his hand on these, these mothers, these women, because they know how to nurture the dream. They know how to nurture the dream. And that there are Elizabeths in this house who have fought for a dream for a long time. And that they have found it. And in that place of finding it, they went alone with the Lord. Because they didn't care to celebrate with it before man. They wanted to celebrate with the Lord and just him. But I feel like the Lord's saying the Marys are coming. The Marys are coming. See, when you have a dream, there's steps that has to happen. There's, there's even like practical applications of what the Lord wants to do and one of the best places to find it is in the life of Mary. God gives her the dream of all dreams, the most impossible task of all time, a virgin birth of the Messiah Jesus. And her question is, how can this be? He gives her two reasons. I'm giving you the Holy Spirit. And Elizabeth is also pregnant. And she's in her sixth month. I feel like there's many people in here who are in their sixth month of pregnancy. And the Lord, before he calls you to birth it, birth the dream, he's wanting you to give it to someone else. And there will be a divine exchange. Just like the Spirit of God leapt in her womb. Because we need each other. And we need each other to steward the dreams in each other's lives. And God's calling you to do it without comparison. Because comparison is the thief of of the dream. It it robs you of the dream. It robs you of the joy of your uniqueness in your life, of what he called you to be. This is going to be a place that surpasses understanding. And people will come here because of the love of this house. And they'll be ministered to because of the knowledge it possesses. That they'll be set free, but their minds will be able to be renewed to the point where what bound them before could never come and touch them again as they come and go. The Lord wants to restore a foundation of wonder. Not just restore, that's not the right word. But just to impart a foundation of wonder. So you too, in all areas of your life, and follow the Spirit of God. 
and satisfy the groans of the earth for the sons of God, follow the spirit of God, and all of creation is eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. You can satisfy the desire of the creation of the world, of what he made this planet for, for people just to walk and follow the spirit. So Jesus, I love you. We love you. And Lord, I just ask, I ask for the dream to be made known in everyone. And if there's anyone here who's struggling with what that even may be, that they just trust you with the moment. Because every moment trusted with you is leading them to another place, deeper in your heart. I thank you for the dream. I thank you for your dreams over us. I thank you for your willingness and your delight over us and your pursuit of us, and that surpasses everything that we know, Lord. And that we know that you are always here for us. You've never left us. You're beautiful, Lord.